There was no getting around it. I could no more escape than I could think of my identity. Perhaps, I thought, the two things are involved with one another. When I discover who I am, I will be free. These are the words of Ralph Ellison from his book, The Invisible Man. It may be that, like myself, you were wrestling with your identity. There is no greater discovery that can set you free than through God and the knowledge that you are God's life-giving breath. To best understand this, we'll start from the book of Revelation 22 verse 33. This to enforce it to you that God is. God is the source of all creation. He's the origin of all life. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. He's everywhere, all at once. He is life which has no death. He is eternal. My God created the heavens and the earth. He set the sky up to hold the rain and clouds. He called light into existence. He commanded the ground to bring up the grass, herbs and fruits of all kinds, vegetation, plants and trees to existence. My God spoke all the living creatures out from the earth and the waters into existence. Genesis 1 verse 24 reads, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and the creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. Genesis 1 verse 20 reads, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. All the living creatures were called out from the earth and water, except for men. With men, Genesis 1 verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make men in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We were made in their holy image. Who you ask? The Almighty God and His Son, Lord Jesus, of course. We are their image, an imitation, a copy, a representation of Him, and we are made in their likeness. John 1 verse 1 reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The Lord Jesus further reveals this to us in John 14 verse 7, saying, If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. You were not called up from the soil or water like all other creatures. The scripture says in Genesis 2 verse 7 
Then the Lord God formed men of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Almighty God did not command that the earth bring you forth, nor the water to bring you forth. God breathed his life-giving breath in you. The son of Barakil Elihu said it in Job 32 verse 8, But there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. Our living souls belong to God. We are his life-giving breath. The first man, Adam, was made holy in their image. He was consecrated, sacred, godly, uninjured, sound, healthy, and complete in one piece. The devil deceived Eve and Adam to eat the, free, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, to corrupt our souls and bodies from holiness and keep us from, the God, from God through our sins. In Genesis 2 verse 17, God said to Adam and Eve, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The word knowledge comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know through observation or experience. The devil tricked men to eat the fruit of knowledge, and that had men exposed to easily know through observation and experience all temptation. James wrote, in James 1 verse 13 to 15, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It is death through sin that God warned Adam and Eve against. It is holiness that was lost in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 verse 22 says, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Man was already created in the likeness of God. Eating the fruit of tree, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, made men like one of the angels in heaven, who took part in both good and evil. The cursed cherub. Revelation twelve nine explains this. It reads, "This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil." Or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Furthermore, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel concerning the king of Tyre, with a prophecy concerning the cursed Sherub, the commander of the king of Tyre. In Ezekiel 28 verse 11 to 18, which reads, You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, 
the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, chrysolite and emerald, topaz, onyx and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise and beryl. Your settings and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a garden cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. The Lord Jesus speaks on the partakers of evil and their fate in Matthew 25 verse 41, which reads, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. If man had eaten from the tree of life, there would be no saving us from sin. Our fate would be definite and our curse eternal. Death comes to our flesh because it comes from dust. Our flesh comes from the ground, as, Christ, as scripture says, from the earth which God gave an important attribute. The earth is, is life-giving and produces life under God's eternal command. Life that can reproduce itself through seeds. Genesis 1.11 reads, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. It is the reason Ecclesiastes 3 verse 19 to 20 reads as such. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so does the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are dust and all turn to dust again. Our flesh is from the dust, but our souls, our spirit belongs to God. Job 34 verse 14 to 15 says, If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. It is the reason the perfect soul, the Son of God, Lord Jesus, said in Mark 12, verse 17, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Our souls belong to God. We are His life-giving breath, but we are corrupted and kept away from His holiness by sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, 
and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Our iniquities, our immoral behavior, our wickedness, our injustice to one another, our unmerciful cruel treatment to others, our unfaithfulness, adulterous acts, faithlessness to God are the reasons his face is hidden from us. It is the work of the fruit of the tree of, of knowledge and it all starts from in the Garden of Eden. We are exposed without holiness and easily yield through observation and experience to all temptation. And to reiterate the words of the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. The first book of John chapter 2 verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of, the li of life is not of the Father but is of the world. The temptation of materialism, which is the lust of the eyes, to value material possessions more than anything. The temptation of hedonism, which is the lust of the flesh, to pursue pleasure in all ways possible. And the temptation of egoism, which is the pride of life, that whatever you do, the aim is self-benefit. This is all vanity and is of the world where the ancient serpent was thrown down and carries on with his dishonest trade. From the Garden of Eden, God gave us his life-given breath, his soul's dominion over everything here on earth. Genesis 1.28 reads that then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. God said that we should be fruitful and multiply. This adds to the reproducing attribute we have because we are made from the dust. But it doesn't neglect our base nature that we are God's life-giving breath. We cannot be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over everything without God who gave us authority in the first place. To think ourselves as superior to God, wanting to use him like a genie in the Bible, is vanity, for God is holy and greater than any mortal. Our King, the Lord Jesus, said it best in Luke 6 verse 40. That a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. No parent wants their own child to reject them. What more pain do we inflict on God when we, his souls, reject his holy judgment? From the book of Ezekiel 18 verse 2 to 4, the word of the Lord says, What do people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on the edge. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. God's superior judgment is further expressed in Genesis 4 verse 7, 
where he says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. No one knows you better than God. You are of his life-giving breath. He knows your potential intimately because you belong to him. God knows all the intricate intentions you have concerning your life. But his plans for your life are superior and his purpose for your life is eternal. The writer of Psalm 139 verse 1 to 7 testifies to God's omniscience saying, You have searched for me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Through sin, we corrupt our bodies and souls and distance ourselves from God's plans for us. It is written in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God wants to make you holy and put you in his presence through the Holy Spirit where what you ask for will be given. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says about God, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts, who acts for the one who waits for him. The Latin root meaning of the word act is do, which means to give. The root word for in Hebrew for it is Ahav. Ahav contains the essence of the Hebrew word Ahava, which means love. In Sanskrit glossary, Ahava is a sacrifice. Ahava is a fight. Ahava is an invoking. Ahava is fire. And Ahava is a lake, a spring. In line with the words of the prophet Isaiah, from the, the, the above quoted verse, God gives love to the one who waits for him. God gives a sacrifice, which is his son, the Lord Jesus, for the one who waits for him. God fights for the one who waits for him. God is an invoking. He is called upon through prayer for the one who waits for him. God is the consuming fire for the one who waits for him. God gives a lake, a spring, a flow of rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit for the one who waits for him. God is love. God's plan is to prosper you in his love because love conquers all sins. When the Lord Jesus was asked which the greatest commandment is in the law, 
in Matthew 22 verse 37 to 40, he declared, Love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the way, all the law and the great prophets depend on these two commandments. In John 15 verse 9 to 17, the Lord Jesus narrates God's love for us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and, the, and, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give you this is my command love each other so how do we as god's souls coming from god made in their likeness and corrupted by temptation and sin subdue the earth how do we conquer overcome and control righteously what has been given to us by God without God. God made the first Adam holy. Then the dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil led men into temptation, thus death, and his flesh lays in the ground, and so does ours. The last Adam offered himself as a sacrifice to enact the greatest love that can ever be. He laid his life for all of us. In the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 45, St. Paul the Apostle proclaims the Lord Jesus perfectly, saying, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The cursed ground, which was cursed because of the first Adam, found no fault in the last Adam's torn, wounded, and bruised skin from the crown of his head to his toes. There was no sin in his heart, on his pierced hands and feet, and the ground tasted no lust from his blood to damn his soul. And there was therefore no flesh for the maggots to devour Jesus. He was perfect in body, he was perfect in soul, and death couldn't claim him. God's purpose for your life is that you become holy, clean, 
humble, just and perfect. The Lord Jesus said it in Matthew 5 verse 48 that be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. We must be perfect. We must be righteous. How do we do this you ask? In Genesis 15 verse 6 it says Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. The Lord Jesus said it in John 12 verse 44 whoever believes in me does not believe in me only but in the one who sent me moreover in John 6 verse 40 the Lord says for it is my father's will that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day my brothers and sisters Believe, abide in God's love, abide in the Lord Jesus, accept God's love and accept the Lord Jesus. Receive and accept his life-giving words from within you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He is a life-giving God and you are his breath. Amen.